Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. About it. Grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Daniel, Old Testament. Um, we've been in the book of Daniel now for, I don't know, like 10 weeks or so, and we're not quite done with it. We're going to stay in there, and we're really just been covering so far the first four chapters. Today, I'm going to skip a couple of chapters, and we're going to go to chapter six, um, because um, I believe that what I'm going to share with you today, and, and here's what I'm going to ask, since it's our birthday, if you would just lean in, but also just relax a little bit and extend uh, maybe some grace to go a little bit longer on our birthday, because I believe that what I'm going to share with you today will radically transform your life, and that you, now obviously every Sunday we do our best to do that, but I believe that today's message, if you grasp it, um, I believe that you will step into some new things in your life. Matter of fact, I believe that today's message is so pivotal that if you grasp it and you dive in and you do what the scripture says, you'll begin to see the new things that God wants to do in your life that are being held back. And uh, you're going to see them come forth. I believe that with all my heart. And, uh, and so I want you to lean in today. I want you to receive from this today. Um, and I want to encourage you, since uh, my wife shared it, you know, eight, the number of new beginnings, uh, why not try doing something new? Why not take this as an opportunity and say, hey, this is my church family. Uh, man, this is, you know, this is where I belong. And man, eight, the number of new beginnings. I want God to do some new things in my life. Um, here's the thing. A lot of times God doing the new thing in your life means you stepping out in faith, right? Uh, one thing I discovered through this journey um, is that, you know, God, can, God doesn't necessarily, he'll give me big visions, but God will show you the step right in front of you, and uh, he'll, he'll ask you to step out in faith. And as soon as you take that step of faith, guess what? He reveals the next step, and the next step, and the next step, and the next step. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you, step out, try something new today. Uh, we're going to have some fun in that gymnasium. We're going we're gonna to have a three-point competition. You've never done it? Try something new today. All right? You, you can shoot underhand. We're okay with that. Come on, you can shoot baseball style. Come on, somebody. I'm okay with that, but why not try something new, all right? We got prizes. We're going to have fun, uh, have a good time. Um, I'll tell you what, one, one thing I learned, um, just as a side note, because we're talking basketball right now, and I love it, um, is from day one, you can ask my wife, actually, before we were Canvas Church, um, and you'll hear a little bit about this today, we were Urban Church in downtown San Diego. And we got hit with an arson and, and lost everything, and thus we rebranded and relaunched and became uh, Canvas Church. But when we started the first church called Urban Church, I immediately um, started a basketball team, and I kind of felt bad uh, because at church, I wasn't only ministering to people, I was, I was scouting people for my basketball team. You can ask my wife. It didn't matter where we were at, what we were doing. Like, we, I would be like, hey, babe, that guy's tall. Do you think he plays basketball? Um, and seriously, that, this, is, this is true. We would be walking in the mall and shopping, and also my wife would see my head go, and I wasn't checking out women because I'm madly in love with my wife. I was checking out these tall dudes like, hey, babe, do you think he plays basketball? I'll go talk to him right now. And she's just like, oh, my gosh. That's a true story. And we lived in downtown. We lived in a high-rise, and we had an attendant there. His name is Silas. He's known as Baby Shaq in San Diego because the dude can ball. And I didn't know that. I just said, man, that dude's yoked, and he's tall. I was like, do you play basketball? And he's like, yeah, and I got him on my team, and we won a championship. Come on, somebody. Not because of me. But, um, and so our, this is our first rendition right here. Um, this was um, Urban Church, and this was our first basketball jerseys. This is vintage. Maybe we'll sign it and sell it. I don't know. Um, but this is vintage. Uh, did you ever wear one of these, Jeremiah? No, not one of those. Okay, you weren't blessed enough to wear one of these. Okay. Um, and so this is Urban Church. Now, here's the thing. I learned something in our first rendition. Notice the next jersey here. I want you to see it here. 
Um, notice there's a word missing from the jersey. The word church. That was intentional. Because I quickly find out that if you have church on your jersey and the guys that are playing on your team aren't quite saved yet, come on somebody. And all of a sudden they're on the court with Urban Church and they're playing and they start cussing up a storm. The other team quickly jumps on that. And it's like, oh, I thought you guys were a church, you know? And uh, so we took church off and if people ask what Canvas is, it's just a basketball team. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and so, um, but our story, man, it's, it's pretty crazy. But uh, really, uh, more than the story, I wanna share with you uh, one of the greatest lessons I've learned uh, really over the last eight, nine, 10, uh, probably 12 years. And uh, this lesson is so um, uh, in me, it's used every day, and I believe if you grasp it, it'll radically change your life. Because here's the thing, Matthew 24, 12, it's the scripture that platformed us into this series that we're in. Um, and it's talking about the last days, it's talking about the end times, and it says this in Matthew 24, 12, it says, because sin will abound. Now, uh, other translations translation will say, because lawlessness, and it's literally referring to the Torah. It's referring to the first five books of the Bible and uh, where, where the law is written. And it says because of lawlessness, because people are ignoring this, modern day translation, because sin um, will abound. Um, it says the love of many will grow cold. And this is a sign of the end of the times. This is a sign of the, of the last days. And this is the culture that we are now living in. We are living in a culture where you don't have to look too far to realize that the love of people is growing cold. Are you with me? That man, that, that it feels like as a Christ follower and as a Christian, uh, that we're living in a culture that is anti, that is counter to our biblical morals, values, and beliefs. And therefore, we're feeling this resistance, and it's this resistance, really, um, of love. And because and, 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 here's the thing, the Bible says that they will know we are believers because of our love for one another. And so that's not just happening in, in the world culturally, it's, it's creeping into the church. And it's, and it's breaking down relationships, and it's breaking down friendships, and it's breaking down ministries. And because that's happening, uh, we need to learn to do something. And the very next verses say, hey, you need, to, you need to look to Daniel and discover what Daniel did. And so that's what brought us to the book of Daniel. How did Daniel live in Babylon? How did Daniel live in a culture that was completely uh, contrary and counter to his upbringing, his biblical morals, values, and beliefs? Because we're living in a modern day Babylon. Daniel chapter six. We'll stop and highlight some things on the way and then we'll get to the, uh, the crux of it. Starting in verse one, it says, Darius the Mede, this is one of the kings. Daniel served under four kings in Babylon, and this is one of those kings. So there's been a transition from what we've read before when he was serving under Nebuchadnezzar and whatnot. Now he's serving under Darius, and it says, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 providences. He appointed a high officer to rule over each providence. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Verse three, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Come on, this is Daniel, a Hebrew child in a Babylonian culture and God has raised him up. Listen to this. 
Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Isn't that just like God? Verse four. Then other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Now I wanna push the pause button right there because here's one thing. Whether it's natural or whether it's spiritual enemies, I've realized this, I've realized that when God is bringing you into a new place, when God is getting ready to promote you, when God is getting ready to elevate you in your spiritual walk and in your spiritual journey, and, and that manifests itself, ladies and gentlemen, not just in a, I feel closer to Jesus. It'll manifest itself in the, in the natural. All of a sudden, you'd be like, man, I'll tell you this, man, uh, this morning, uh, man, we felt some resistance coming in celebrating our eighth birthday, and I was, I, was, I was starting to feel the spiritual environment. I was like, man, what's going on? And so I did what every good Christian would do. I went and got a coffee. Come on, somebody. I said, I need to get out here and go get a coffee. So I went and I drove over and I got in the coffee line and, and I was sitting there in the coffee line and, and I was just praying, listening to worship music and I thought, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna bless the person behind me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy their coffee in line. I'm gonna pay for it because one thing I've learned a long time ago when the enemy's resisting you and coming against you, you know what? I'm just gonna do something good. I'm gonna do something to bless somebody else. And so um, here I am, I'm in line and I'm ready to buy this coffee and, uh, and I'm like, I, I go, how much is it? And they're like, it's free. And I'm like, why? I said, the person behind you bought the coffee for you. <laughs> well, come on some. I don't know what that has to do with the Bible, but whatever. Um, here's one thing I know is that when God's getting ready to promote you and it'll show up in the natural, it'll show up in, in, in your life, it'll show up in every area. But here's the thing, there are resistors. And right here, Daniel is about ready to get elevated and he's gonna oversee the whole entire empire and guess what? There are people. Now listen to me. Um, there is a spiritual, the Bible says, spiritual principalities and powers in the heavenly places, right? We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're battling the spirit. But just like when God is blessing you, it shows up in the natural and people can bless you, man, the same is true of the enemy. The enemy will infiltrate people's lives and a lot of time the attack will come from individuals and people. Here's something you need to remember. There's a spirit operating behind that. And you need to go after it in the spirit and not after it in the natural. Because here's the temptation of all of us. Here's what we want to do. That begins to happen. It begins to manifest itself through other humans. Come on, how many of you know some other humans? Right? And it begins to ma manifest itself through another human. You immediately want to snap at that person. You need to remember there's a spirit working behind it. And here, Daniel's about ready to go to the next level. My old pastor, and he probably stole it from somebody else, my old pastor used to say this, new levels, new devils. Right, you're about ready to go to a new place, man, there's resistance. And here is Daniel, and he's encountering resistance already. He isn't even promoted yet. We don't even know if he knows he's gonna get promoted yet. Right, but here it is, he's gonna get promoted, and they're gonna put Daniel over the empire, and all of a sudden these people, Listen to what it says about Daniel. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. How many of you guys like that to be said about your life? Man, it starts with faithfulness, faithful. That's why today I said, hey, if you've been here for eight years, stand up. Man, those are faithful people. Those are people that have, that have written out some crazy things with us. Faithfulness. But he was faithful, he was responsible, and completely trustworthy. That might be a message for next week. 
So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel, listen to this now, highlight this because you need to understand this, will be in connection with the rules of his religion. In other words, let me put it in modern day, uh, will be in connection with his faith, his stance, his belief, his biblical morals, values, and beliefs. What do they do? They can't find fault in him in the natural because he's faithful, he's responsible, and he's trustworthy, so here's what we're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to outlaw his faith. And make no mistake about it, that's where we're going. That's where the world is going. It's already happening in other countries, and I'm telling you, write it down, write down the date. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but when it happens, you'll be able to look back and say, oh, pastor told me. This is where it's going. Why, because they can't find fault in us when we're walking faithful and responsible and trustworthy to the Bible. So what's gonna happen? The same thing that happened to Daniel is gonna happen. They're gonna, they're gonna do something to say, hey, they can't do that anymore. They're gonna outlaw that. Verse six, so the administrators and the high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. Jerks. <laughs> we are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, minus Daniel, that the king should make a law that will strictly be enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty will be thrown into the den of lions. And now your majesty issue a sign, this law, so it, it, it cannot be changed an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law, verse 10, but. Everybody say but. Listen, to, look, at, look at Daniel, because this is who we're learning for, from. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he knew it. He, now, he knows what's going on now. He knows what the people did. What does he do? He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. And he prayed. With his windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Well, I want you to notice this. This is something he had always done. He didn't sway, he didn't change, he didn't waver. He said, man, they might be coming against me, but I'm gonna stay true to what God is asking me to do. He prayed. So you need to understand that it says just as he always did, this wasn't like, oh, he heard of this decree, well, I'm gonna go and defy this. And, uh, no, he said, look, I'm gonna continue to remain faithful to my God. And he knew now what had been conspired against him. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done. Verse 11, then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Man, highlight that. How many of you guys need God's help? Come on. So they went straight to the king and, and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law for the next 30 days? Any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you or majesty will be thrown into the den of the lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is official law of the Medes and the Persians and cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, the man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled because he knew Daniel. He tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king, said, your, your Persian, no law uh, that the king signs uh, is changed. Verse 16, so a 
At last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God whom you serve faithfully rescue you. Stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. Uh, the, den. the king sealed the stone uh, with his royal seal and the seals of the nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his uh, palace and spent the night fasting. He refused uh, his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep uh, at all that night. Very clearly the next morning, or very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out into the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Verse 21, Daniel answered, long live the king. Highlight that, because we're gonna come back to that. Long live the king. Listen to it. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have, listen to what he says, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. I want you to, I want you to lean in here because this is not just speaking of before. This is not just speaking of, hey, I didn't do anything wrong earlier. I was, I was manipulated. This is speaking of Daniel's character and what he was doing in the lion's den. He was not speaking anything wrong against the king. He did not wrong the king in any way. Verse 23, the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Wow. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. And King Darius sent uh, this message to the people, every race, nation, language throughout the world, peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. Come on, new beginnings. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has re rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius, the reign of Sirius the Persian. I wanna speak to you for the next few moments on freedom in Babylon. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. And Lord, I pray that in the next few moments we have that you would help me communicate this, this, this very important word, Lord, to all of us, those that are listening in online, those that are here live. And God, I believe there'll be a turning point. I believe new things and new beginnings and fresh starts will start and happen today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Daniel's first response was, long live the king. Daniel had been lied about. Daniel had been, 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 been manipulated. Daniel had been accused. Daniel had been abused. Daniel, though, maintains this heart that when they first come to the den, his only response is, long live the king, and I have not wronged you. It speaks to his heart. It speaks to who he was. It speaks a very important message to us today. Man, over the last eight years, and let me just rewind a little farther for those of you who don't know the story. In 2009, uh, my wife and my kids, along with an incredible team, started Urban Church in, in uh, downtown San Diego. We started in a, in a nightclub on Fifth and Broadway. Come on, somebody. 
And some of you are like, what was the name of it? Because I've probably been there. The name of the nightclub was on Broadway. Come on. And you weren't there for church. You were there for the club, all right? And we started in this nightclub, and, and we would leave the nightclub and eventually go over to a school, and we would outgrow this school. And in uh, the end of 2011, we began to make uh, preparations and plans. Actually, it was the end of 2012. Nope, 2011, we began to make, make preparations and plans to move out because we couldn't fit in this school anymore. Uh, we, were, we were doing two services, the parking lot was too small, and, and so we, we found a place, another school that was just about a mile and a half, two miles away, and so we moved to that. And uh, we moved to this new area, moved into this school, did this massive campaign, um, and uh, literally people were coming, prostitutes were coming to our, our services and giving their heart to Jesus Christ. It was, I mean, like incredible things were taking place. And we were there for four months, and this was the end of 2012. It was like, like September 2012 to like January 2013, no, two, I'm sorry, the end of 2011, September 2011, to, uh, to January 2012. And man, great things were happening. And uh, man, it, was, it honestly felt like revival. Some of you remember this moment. And uh, man, it was just, God was just breathing life on this thing. And I'll never forget the phone call I got from a, a police officer um, at 11.54 p.m. Said, Ben Brinkman, you need to get to the school where you meet because the place is on fire. And specifically the area that you meet in um, it looks like it's on fire. So I go out there. I think I remember counting like 22 fire trucks. I mean, it was, it was a lot of flames. It was a lot of trucks. There was a lot going on. The ATF was there. The San Diego Police Department was there. The San Diego Sheriffs were there. I walk in with one of our associate pastors, and I'm looking around, and they come over, and they're like, who are you? I told them I'm the pastor that meets there, and obviously they wanted to, to find out more about that. We, we lost all of our equipment. We lost all of our stuff. We lost our meeting location. Uh, this was a Monday night. So Tuesday, we had to quickly think about what we we're going to be doing. And I'll just tell you this, the outpouring of the, of the church body in the immediate area, not mega churches, little churches across the street here and there, rallied and said, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? And man, they, man, they helped us pull off a, a service next, next Sunday. And so 2012, which I like to, um, I like to coin the ministry year from hell. Um, not because of the flames that took our, our, our building and our stuff, but literally just what we had to walk through that year. Uh, very difficult season uh, for us personally, emotionally, uh, financially, trying to get this church, you know, to figure out what we're going to do. And it was through a lot of evaluation, a lot of prayer, um, and a lot of searching for where are we going to meet now? Um, like, where are we going to go? What's going to happen? And, um, and so something opened up at Mission Bay, and, um, and, but it just didn't feel that very urban when we were on the beach. Come on, somebody. Here we are, urban church, and I would go in and meet with people, and they're like, well, here's a meeting location. You can have this, this school out at Mission Bay. And I'm like, well, take it. And the guy that's gonna give me the lease is like, well, I don't think that's gonna work. And I'm like, why? He's like, it's just not very urban. And I thought to myself, well, if, if our name is gonna be a hindrance for us to get a we need a place to meet. And so God just showed us and sovereignly led us that we literally closed down urban church and, uh, and then we relaunched as Canvas Church, Con completely different uh, place, brand new people. A lot of people uh, made the move with us, but brand new people. And we started there in January of 2013. And so here we are uh, eight years later. But in that, man, the arson that we encountered, the, uh, the, right after buying all of our stuff back because we had to repurchase all the equipment, literally 30 days after repurchasing the equipment, it gets stolen. We recover it. 
it gets stolen again. Um, we decide, let's launch another campus, and we launched one at San Pascual High School, and we were there, and we had two campuses going. We, we got all of our equipment, and we had a preview service, and the next morning, everything was stolen from that one. Um, through leadership challenges, through all these things, I have to be honest with you. My first response in those moments was not long live the king. My, my first response in those moments was, hey, I've not wronged anybody. I want you to hear Daniel's absolutely incredible and probably to most of us somewhat absurd response. He is living in captivity. He is a eunuch. He has been lied about. He has been, been wronged. And now here it happens again. And he gets thrown into a den with lions and he miraculously makes it out of there and yet his heart is still right. His heart is still pure. Listen, if you throw me in a lion's den, um, the next day, if I happen to still be alive, my first response ain't long live the king. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, it's probably not yours either. Because let's remove the lion's den for a moment. My response when somebody wrongs me my response when somebody talks about me and spreads lies about me and, and, and in my response when someone manipulates me and accuses me of stuff, let's take it down a level. My response when somebody cuts me off on the freeway. Can we get a little more practical for a moment? My first response ain't typically, how long live the king, you're awesome, thank you for cutting me off, you're amazing, I haven't wronged you at all. And I think if you're honest, it's not typically your first response either. I mean, so now put it in the magnitude of, I, I could have lost my life. I, I could be dead right now. It's okay, king. Still here. And I haven't thought any evil thoughts about you. Wow. I think there's something here that we need to understand and that we need to learn from Daniel and I believe if we learn this, it will absolutely get you to a place of freedom. And it's one of the greatest lessons that I've learned in the last eight, nine, 10, 12 years and that is how do I walk in a life of forgiveness? How do I walk in a, in a pattern and in a life of forgiveness when, when somebody is saying this or doing that or, or, or maybe uh, accusing me of this or, or wrongly, whatever it is? How do I get to that place of living in a life of forgiveness? Here's what you need to understand. Bitterness and unforgiveness keep you locked up. Not the person you don't want to forgive. Here, here's the thing we think. When we are wronged, we think that, you know what? I'm gonna back off these people. I'm not gonna talk to them. I'm gonna block them on social media. Come on, somebody. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know, they're gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting them out of my life. And we think that we're doing damage to them. And in reality, we're doing damage to ourselves. We're doing damage to our own heart. And it will keep you from the new things that God has for you and from experiencing the freedom in every single area of your life. Every area of your life stops, comes to a screeching halt when there is unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart. Every area. Listen to what it says in Mark 11, 22 to 26. 
says, then Jesus said to his disciples, those are his, his, his closest followers, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Okay? We like that part, don't we? We like to, we like to speak to our mountains. We like to declare things over circumstances, situations, and mountain be removed, and this be done, and that be done. It's great. Listen to the rest of it. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive it, it'll be yours. But, now there's gonna be some verses I'm gonna read to you that aren't gonna be on the screens, and here's why, because last night I went into some more deeper prayer and just thinking through my, my message, and God just downloaded some more stuff to me. So just write it down or follow along in your Bible. But when you are praying first, here's the first thing you're gonna do when you pray. Forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Listen, what, what is sin? Sin is, is anything that's contrary to the nature of God. Anything we do that's contrary to the nature of God, okay? Well, that separates us from God. Well, if we're separated from God, we can't even have access into. Well, here's the thing. We can't even have forgiveness for those sins and access the grace of God if we are holding a grudge, bitterness, and unforgiveness in our heart. And so it says, hey, listen, you, you want to come to me? Listen, anything's possible. Man, all of these things can be done. Man, you can speak to that mountain. Yeah. And see, I think there's a lot of us that have been speaking to our mountain and wondering why it's not being moved. I think a lot of us are looking at the situation and saying, wait, like God, you said if I believe in my heart that I receive it, it's going to be done. Why isn't it being done? Well, you stopped reading too soon. Because you need to go and you need to deal with this bitterness, this unforgiveness. What is bitterness? Bitterness, it's anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. Resentment. Now, let me just ask a question. How many in here would say you've ever been treated unfairly before? The people that aren't raising their hands, you're liars. Okay? Or you're just a little baby. You know, like, like literally, like a, there's... Listen, I'm sure we could all say, yeah, I've, I've been treated unfairly before. What's unforgiveness? Un unwilling or unable to forgive someone for hurting, betraying, breaking your trust, or causing you intense emotional pain. You ever had that happen before? Daniel did. These are the people that he's serving with. These are the people that he's doing life with. Listen to what it says. It says every single one of the leaders came together, minus Daniel. You ever been there before? Everybody talking about, wait, wait, like, how come I'm not in on this? Intense emotional pain. What, what causes these, these thoughts of bitterness or legitimate feelings? Here's the thing, it's legitimate. And here's, here's what I want you to understand. We've all been legitimately hurt. That's, it's there. Those things really happened. What, what causes unforgiveness and bitterness? I just wrote down a few that came to my mind. There's a whole list, I'm sure. I just wrote down three. False accusations. False accusations. It's people saying things about you, that's, that's completely false. That's not even true. Right? False accusations. Rejection. Rejection. You ever been rejected before? 
Abuse, physical, spiritual, emotional, sexual, it could be any of those. Just a few that, that, that and we can, you can make a whole list. I'm, I'm sure as you're sitting there, you, you can make a list in your own mind. Well, here, actually, here's a few that I've personally experienced. Rejection, abuse, false accusations. Here's, here's the, the problem, though, is what happens. Let me read it to you out of Proverbs 18, 19. Again, I don't think this one's on the screen, but it says this. It says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. This is the Bible. This isn't like wisdom from Dr. Phil or Oprah. This is the Bible. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Go do a study on what it means to be in a fortified city. It's, it's walled. It's got a gate that, you know, only one way in, one way out. It's got armed guards on it. Like, you're not getting in at all. It's fortified. And listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, you know what? You, you got more of a chance. Come on, you want to live your Navy SEAL life? You got more of a chance infiltrating that city than you do winning back an offended friend. So what, what does that tell us? That means we should do the best we can by the grace of God to make sure that we are not offending others, but also that we're living free from offense. This is the Bible. It's not done yet. And it says this, arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. It's locked. Let's listen to the terminology. Here's the reality. If you are the one that's not forgiving, you're actually the one in the cage. Notice it has a door. It says it's locked. And the key to unlocking it and getting out and finding freedom is when you decide to forgive somebody. When you decide to, to let it go. Is somebody with me today? I don't know about you, but I want to be like Daniel. I want to be able to be thrown into some situations and like, you know what? Long live you, buddy. Right? Like, yeah. I want to be there. More importantly, you know who I want to be like? I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Listen, listen to what Jesus said when he was in the greatest moment of anguish and pain and betrayal and accusation, being spat on, being beaten, bloody, wounded. Listen to what, listen, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said this, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. I say I want to be like Jesus, but in order to be like Jesus, that means like, wow. I'm not, we're not just talking about someone cutting you off on the road. We're not just talking about like, like someone speaking bad about you. This is Jesus on the cross, beaten, bloody, mangled, being spat on, being ridiculed, made fun of. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what what they're doing. So what, what's Jesus asking of us? Here's what Jesus is asking of us. Matthew 18, 21 through 22. It says, then Peter came to him, Jesus, and asked, 
Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? I think, I think, I think a lot of us are probably like Peter. Because in that moment, Peter felt pretty, pretty self-righteous. This is one of the disciples. Lord, I've got this. How many times do you want me to forgive someone who sins against me? Is it seven times? Because I got that. Jesus' response, no, not seven times. I'm sure in Peter's mind, he's like, yeah, let's just do it once. (laughs) That's what I'd be doing. Yeah, you're right. I was just trying to make myself look really good. Yeah, let's go, Jesus. Just one time? No, this is what Jesus said. No, not, not seven times. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Carry the one, 490 times. Here's what you need to understand. In that moment, it wasn't a numerical value. What Jesus was saying, like, nice try, Peter. No, there's no end to the forgiveness. And then Jesus modeled that on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is what Paul writes to the church in Colossae in Colossians 3. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgiving, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Dang it. <laughs> Pastor, can we, like, can we go like, through a book study and not a Bible book? I mean, we can do like, a leadership book and talk about... No, we're, we're, we're about the Bible. Here's what it says. Hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make an allowance. What's an allowance? An allowance, here's the great thing about an allowance. Uh, An allowance is something, is is a portion of something set aside for when this over here happens. Right? Anybody make an allowance when they grew up? I know, me neither. My parents are like, you live here, work. (laughs) You live here, make your bed. Right? Kids nowadays, it's like, well, if I make my bed, do I get an allowance? No, if you make your bed, you get to keep it. All right? (laughs) Um, an allowance, it's this thing that's set up over here, so when this happens, this is what takes place. Are you with me? In other words, it's saying this, hey, you need to set, you, need to, you just need to know right now and set some grace aside. You're going to get offended. People are going to lie about you. People are going to manipulate you. They're human. This is going to happen. And so when it does, you better have made an allowance for it. Because if not, you're, you're going to be reactionary and it's just going to get ugly. So I don't know about you, but because of my passion that my wife talks about, sometimes I've learned I'm just not going to say the first thing that I think. <laughs> and maybe not say the second thing I think either. Maybe I need to take a day off and come back and revisit it. Anybody else like that? Right? Right? I need to make some more allowance, and you might, you might get that allowance tomorrow. I'm just gonna walk away right now, because if I really said what I was thinking, and that's just on Sunday morning, come on somebody. If I really said what I was thinking, man, I would escalate things. I'd escalate them. But we need to make an allowance. We need to extend grace. You need to have some stuff set aside. Oh, if you're having a problem doing that, you having a problem doing that? Hey, by the way, remember how Jesus forgave you? Now what it says? Oh, that's, that's hard for you to make an allowance? 
Okay, let's, let's read on a little more. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Does anybody get anything out of this? Here's the thing. I'm just gonna take a little more time and we're done. In like four minutes, the worship team's gonna come up and you'll be like, okay, it's over. <laughs> Here's the thing, because this is something I struggled with and I'll just be honest with you. Like I am every Sunday. When it comes to forgiving, I've been really quick to forgive verbally. I've even been quick to, to go to people and say, man, I'm sorry, but forgive me. To go through the action. Here's the thing that I've struggled with probably all my life is it's one thing for me to verbally forgive. It's another thing for me to forget. And I've heard too many messages preached that, well, you, you, you can forgive, but you don't have to forget. But I'm, I'm gonna show you something today because here's the thing. If your goal is if, if, if your goal as a Christian is to put another, which is okay to a certain level, like, hey, that person's really spiritual. I, wanna, I want my life to be like them. Well, I mean, even Paul said, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. The key is, is that Paul was following Christ, right? I struggle with that, and I'm sure some of you do too. Do I, and it's even been a question that's come to me before. It's like, well, if I forgive, do I have to forget? And I remember even telling people before, like, well, no, you know, forgive them. I, and I know it's, it's hard as a human to forget, but, you know, just, just, you know, maybe distance yourself from them. But here's the deal. The deal is I don't want to be just like, like a really good human. I want to be more like Jesus, right? Check this verse out because th this is it. This is Bible. Isaiah 43, 25. I, the Lord, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. He said, the pastor, that's not fair. That's God. Of course, he can do that. I know. That's God. But listen to me. I want to be more godly. I want to be more Christ-like. I want, I want to read the scripture and let this be the model for my life. I don't want, I don't want to take on, listen to me, because every spiritual leader is just as flawed as anybody else. And so I don't want a spiritual leader telling me, hey, it's okay to forgive, but if you can't forget, that's fine. You need to forgive, but if you can't forgive, no, no, no. If I want, to be, I want you to be more godly, I want you to be more Christ-like, yes, we've got to get to a place where we can forgive, and when we forgive, we can move on with the relationship. We can move on with the friendship. We can move on with the ministry. We can move on with the business. And pastor, that's so hard. I know it's hard, but by the grace of God, we can do it. It's only hard if you're living for yourself. It's only hard if you don't have the grace of God on you. But if you have the grace of God on you, guess what? You can move forward in this. How do I continually walk in forgiveness? Let me just share it with you real quickly. Number one, worship team, come on up and just flow as I share these. Because that'll, that'll, some people are starting to get anxious. But it's okay, I forgive them. I already forgot it. Why are you coming up, worship team? How do I continually walk in forgiveness? Number one, understand the culture you're living in. Understand the culture you're living in. Why is it that Daniel could be so quick to forgive? Because he understood the culture he was living in. And he understood that the life that he was being asked to live was counter-cultural. 
Listen, let, let, when, when people wrong you and lie about you and manipulate, the, the only reason we're surprised by it is like, whoa, what's happening? No, understand. Know this right now. People will lie about you. People will mistreat you. People will cut you off on the freeway. It's going to happen. And that's just church people. Come on. I got less laughs that time. It's probably because the music is soothing you right now. Listen, understand the culture, know the culture. Daniel knew the culture. Jesus knew the culture. Listen to what he says, Father, forgive them. That's not them. That's, this is, this is the culture. It's the thing. It's like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Understand the culture. If you understand the culture, listen to me. You can walk in forgiveness every day. People mistreat you, set you up for failure. The Bible says in Luke 17, 1, offenses will come. Yes, I know it goes on to say, woe to the man by which they come, but offenses are gonna come, ladies and gentlemen. That's, I'm not talking about walking, looking over your shoulder like, oh, when's it coming? I'm just talking about, hey, just know and just live in grace. And when it comes, you made an allowance for it and you can, you can, you can, you can make, make it right. Now, listen, like one thing that honestly, and you can ask my wife, even when I've been wrongly accused, this is not easy, even when I've been wrongly accused and they're sharing with me the accusations, I can look at the person, it didn't used to be this way, I can look at the person in the eyes and say, I'm sorry that I played a part in the way you're feeling. I want you to know that as your friend, as a Christ fallen, as a pastor, I'd never want you to feel that way and I would never intentionally do that. Will you forgive me? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that to put me on a pedestal. I'm saying to say that it's taken me 47 years to get there. But I'm telling you right now, it's one of the most freeing places to be. Their response is not up to me. What's up to me is to take the key that I have and unlock that cell that's keeping me from the new beginning, the new thing, and the freedom that God has for me. You see, there's, there's an old, old thought about unforgiveness. Holding a grudge against somebody and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. No, you, you have the ability, the freedom in Christ to unlock that thing and go to the new place God has for you. But you gotta understand the culture that you live in. Secondly, you've got to continue to live a life of dependency on God. Live a life of dependency on God. Daniel knew about the plans. When Daniel learned of the plans, he went to his house and prayed at the window three times a day, just like he always did. Not what the scripture says. He knew the plans. He knew they were at Q. They knew what was happening. Could have got offended. Could have manipulated something. Could have changed something, challenged something. No, he just goes, I'm going to continue to be dependent upon God for strength. Why is that? Because Hebrews 2, 16 through 18 says this. We also know that the son did not come to help uh, angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham, humanity. Therefore, it is necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, that's Jesus, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful, faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer sacrifice 
that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Jesus already walked through it. What do we need to do? We need to stay dependent upon him. Continue to pray. Find that place of dependency. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Matthew 5, 44, it says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. We can do that as we depend on him. Lastly, number three, we need to speak life and not death. Speak life and not death continually. Long live the king. Haven't wronged you. See, when we find those, those places and those moments where, man, people are coming against us, things are coming against us, we have the opportunity to speak life or death. We have this opportunity to speak something out. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, the tongue can be, bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Right here in your mouth, you have the ability to bring life to situations. Even when you're wrongly accused, bless those, pray for those, speak well of those that are coming against you. Your enemies, those are persecuting you. I'm not gonna speak ill of them, I'm gonna speak well of them and I'm gonna pray for them. I'm gonna let words of life come out of my mouth, not words of death, not words of destruction. Long live the king. Bless that person, bless that person, bless that person, bless that person. Speak life over the circumstance and the situation. And you can do it by the grace of God. Romans 12, 14 says this. It says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. So when I'm being persecuted, I'm being impacted, how can I be like Daniel? Now I'm gonna find ways to bless them. I'm gonna find ways to speak well of them. I'm gonna find, and that I'm telling you, it's difficult at first, but the more you do it, I'm telling you, it'll free you up. Man, it'll bring you to a new beginning. It'll bring you to a new place. Listen to me, I believe there's people here right now. There's people here, do me a favor, just stand to your feet and close your eyes right now, because I believe someone's gonna get a breakthrough. I believe somebody today, literally, this is the key to your next level of freedom. This is the key to your new beginning. Listen, man, eight can just be a birthday celebration, or eight could be a new beginning in your life, where you say, you know what, I'm letting go of old things. I'm letting go of hurts and pains. I'm letting go of the past. I'm letting go of that which was said. I'm letting go of that letter that was written, that email that was sent, that thing that that job did to me, that thing that an employer did to me, that, that thing they lied about me, man, they manipulated me, that thing that my parents said about me, that thing that a grandparent said about me. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna walk in freedom in Babylon. I'm gonna walk in victory. You have that ability today. All you have to do is take the key of forgiveness and unlock the cell and start in the new path and the new beginning. Listen to me. I felt it last week and I feel it here again today. There are some of you that are experiencing physical ailments and physical pains and physical consequences in your body because of the bitterness, the grudge, and the unforgiveness you're carrying. But today, you can let yourself be free by the grace of God. You can take the key and say, man, I forgive so-and-so. I forgive this person. I forgive that employer. I forget that coworker. I forgive that. Listen to me, some of you need to, to, to forgive. You might be divorced and now you're remarried, but you are holding on to something from your past relationship and you need to forgive. You need to let go. You need to unlock because it's impacting your current marriage. As soon as you take that key and say, man, I forgive, I'm letting go. 
I'm telling you, a new beginning, a new thing is gonna happen in your life. Close your eyes. If you're here today, come on, I believe this is someone's fresh start. I believe this is someone's new beginning. I believe that today is the day. If you're here right now and you'd say, Pastor, I need to let go of some bitterness. I need to let go of some unforgiveness. I need this. Close your eyes. If that's you, just lift your hand right now. Come on. Come on, lift your hand. You know who you are. Come on, come on, lift your hand high. Come on, there's hands all over this place. This is what I want you to do right now. Right where you're at, I want you to begin to say with your own lips, whoever it is, come on, you begin to pray it out. I release this right now. I forgive so-and-so. Man, some of you, it might be a long list. I know my list got really long for a while. And I've been through the list. I even actually made a list. I wrote down names of people that I was holding bitterness and resentment against. And I wrote it down. I said, God, would you forgive me for holding that? And God, I forgive them for what was said. And I'm telling you, there's a new freedom. There's a new freedom right now. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word gives life. Come on, church, you believe in for something new. Come on, church, you believe in, come on, you're gonna walk free in Babylon. Come on, I believe that there's gonna be a new level of freedom right now. Come on, a spiritual weight is lifting off his people. Come on, a weight that has been bearing you down is beginning to lift right now. Come on, forgiveness is beginning to flow. Come on, you're gonna find a new freedom in your prayer life as you go with no grudges in your heart, no bitterness in your heart. Lord, I pray that today that Canvas Church, God, would be a place, Lord, of forgiveness. I pray that Canvas Church would be a place that knows how to walk in forgiveness and knows how to extend grace that thinks well of others and speaks well of others. And God, I pray as we do that, you continue. Lord God, to unleash your presence upon this place. In Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen today? Come on. Here's what I want you to do. If you need prayer for anything, maybe you raised your hand and you need prayer. We're going to have some of our pastors up here and we want to pray for you and we want to lift you up. Maybe it's not that, maybe it's something else, but we want to pray for you. But here's my challenge to you today. Would you take this message and would you say, God, how do I need to apply this to my life in a specific area with a specific person? And would you see God do a new thing? Come on, I believe it, church. Come on. There's a spiritual revival happening right here. Come on, the best is yet to come. Come on, let's walk in that forgiveness in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.